Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Good morning, gang, and welcome to New Southern Garden. I'm so glad that you decided to join us today. Of course, I'm Nathan Wilson, your gardening pal, and we've got a really big show for you. Uh, We've got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about water today. Uh, Today's topic of discussion in the garden is going to be working, working with water in the landscape. You know, the title (laughs) could go a lot of ways. But I knew that I could not say controlling, controlling water in the landscape because it's very difficult for us to control water. Now, sure, to some degree, you could spend lots of money on grading, regrading, drainage systems, which we'll talk about, drainage systems and things you can do to help move water. And you could probably get the water exactly like you want it. But surely over time, things change. And it's very difficult for us to control water. So instead of controlling water and the way it moves, washes areas out, we're going to try to work with water. Except where the water moves and how it goes. Because, you know, here in the South, we've got, we have historically had erosion problems. And a lot of that's attributed to our Piedmont soils. If you're here in the Piedmont, you've got clay-based soils. Clay-based soils are very old soils. They've been around a long time. You know, you go below the fall line. Uh, Here in Georgia, of course, the fall line is eh, Macon and below. Somewhere around Macon, the fall line happens. And, of course, I guess uh, ecological archaeology tells us that the Atlantic Ocean was all the way up at one point millions of years ago (laughs) all the way up to the fall line so the soil that the lower half of our state here in georgia and florida and other parts of the south the uh, areas there were once below the ocean below water and so they have very sandy soils just like you would expect uh, in the ocean but here in the piedmont we have uh, a type of soil called ultrasol Otosol, otosols, otosols. That's the technical term, which is not really that important. <laughs> Just means we have very uh, old soils that are tiny, fine particles that we generally call clay. And so, with that, there are other parts in the world that have soils like us. Parts of Africa have some of the exact same soil types as we do here in the Piedmont, and that kind of soil can lead to some problems. We've talked about how soil, uh, our clay soils can be beneficial because they hold on to nutrition very well. So our plants uh, have access to wonderful uh, nutrients and all kinds of fertilizers that you add. You don't have a lot wasted. Whereas in southern Georgia and further south uh, than us here in in the Piedmont, those clay-based, sorry, sand-based soils they don't hold on to much nutrition at all. Now, clay is also very beneficial because it holds on to moisture. It holds on to water. 
it's kind of a problem because it doesn't always drain very well. And that's what we're going to be addressing today as well. But then those sandy soils, like in the coastal plain area and down into Florida, those soils, they drain very well, but uh, may not hold on to moisture very well. So, you know, you can look at clay, this red Georgia, Georgia red clay everybody talks about as being a pest or we can try to work with it and work with the way water moves through it and improving our soils with organic matter, which definitely we're going to talk about today. So uh, it's sort of a, a technical show today. Last week, of course, we talked more inspiration in the garden. We talked about how to create and style your garden as a, as a Japanese-styled garden. And you don't have to necessarily in, uh, uh, style your entire landscape as a Japanese style, but maybe some areas would look kind of cool to have. So if you missed that show, of course, you can find it at NewSouthernGarden.com, and you can find it on the podcasting apps, as well as you can find us on Facebook and Instagram, which be sure to check us out on social media, because at the end of this month, which rapidly approaching, I can't believe August is uh, a little over halfway gone. But, uh, of course, next week will be the last Saturday of the month, and we will be answering your questions. I like to inspire you. I like to bring certain topics that most of us deal with. But if you have specific problems in the landscape, we want to help you there as well. And just know that if you've got a specific problem in your landscape, most likely somebody else does. So just like your high school English teacher used to say, there's no such thing uh, as a ridiculous question. There is no such thing as a ridiculous question. Most likely, somebody else is dealing with it too. So uh, be sure to check us out. Facebook, Instagram, you can send us pictures there, or you can send us a uh, message at NewSouthernGarden.com. So talking about water today, I've got a few topics. Now, this is not necessarily all-inclusive, and you may, after today's program, have some questions for me that you will need clarified, or maybe some things that I didn't necessarily touch on. But there are some major things that we uh, deal with, particularly here in the Piedmont, uh, but also all around, that are just good to know when we're working with water, when we're trying to deal with water. Some people have uh, drainage issues, right? Some people have standing water. Some people have erosion happening. We have uh, up here in the Piedmont, again, we have slopes all over the place. Of course, we are the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. So, in the mountains and down on the foothills, we have slopes everywhere, and slopes can increase the speed of water, and if those slopes are not well protected by certain things, then water can definitely be a detriment to the integrity of those slopes. So we are going to talk a bit about erosion, what it is, how to, how to prevent it. There's really a secret. There is a secret to preventing erosion. So you definitely want to hang on uh, tight as we start revealing that secret. Then we're going to talk about maybe repairing. If you have a slope that is degrading, eroding, we're going to talk about things you can do to help repair it. Simple things you don't necessarily have to hire somebody for. But of course, remember, working on a slope can be treacherous. You don't want to roll down it and hurt yourself, uh, so be sure to take each situation um, the, the best you see fit. Then we're going to talk about like preventing erosion on a new slope that maybe you want to plant some plants on. If you have a slope and you want to create a, uh, a new border, a new bed, a new planting bed on the slope, there are some things that I want to uh, point out that you may want to take to heart before you actually start digging 
on that slope. There's some things we do want to do and some things we don't want to do. Now, on the other hand of erosion, uh, we have low bottomlands. So instead of a slope, maybe you have a flat area uh, that's down in the holler, as my grandma would say, down in the holler. And you have waterlogged soils. We're going to talk about waterlogged soils and some things you can do to make sure that you can plant there, you can grow there. Uh, Again, we're not really trying to control water because it's very difficult. But there are some things we can do to work with water. We want to see water as our friend because anytime we have rain, we know our precious plants, our garden spaces, they need that water. Um, But we don't want it to become an enemy to our precious plants or an enemy to our gardens and landscaping. So working with water, seeing it as a friend, but a very powerful friend, (laughs) is going to be very critical. Well, let's start off uh, when we talk about working with water in the landscape. I do want to talk about erosion and really how that occurs. So when we have water that falls, of course, we get rainfall. It could be any kind of precipitation, snow, which we don't get much of here in the south, uh, our part of the south. But usually we have one or two days. Of course, uh, you uh, garden friends up there in the mountains probably see a lot more snow than we do. Anyhow, when precipitation falls from the sky, it's going to hit the ground or it's going to hit trees, or it's going to hit a field of grass before it actually hits the ground. Now, ideally, when water falls, we want plant material, which stands up tall in the air, like trees, shrubs, bushes, all of these things. We want them to sort of break break the speed and the velocity that this precipitation has. Remember, A little tiny raindrop hits us on the face. It doesn't really hurt us. But that raindrop has been falling 10,000, 30,000 feet out of the sky from a cloud. And when it hits the soil directly, it's like a tiny atom bomb exploded. The weight and the speed of that, what seems to be not a big deal for us, can be detrimental, detrimental to the soil that it hits. So ideally... When it rains, when it snows, when it precipitates, we don't want any precipitation to hit bare soil, particularly our clay soils. Now, it really goes for all soil types, but our clay soils are so small, uh, they're sort of fragile, they're lightweight, they're not heavy and big like a tiny grain of sand. They're much, much smaller than a tiny grain of sand. And when that raindrop falls out of the sky, it sort of creates this explosion. And you can see this firsthand. Maybe if you have an area around your house where there is some exposed soil, if you notice up against the foundation of your house or the base of your house there, look after a rain on those exposed soil areas where there's no mulch, where there's no plant material, and you will see little splatters of soil up against the side of the house. And some of those splatters can go up several inches from the ground level. That just shows you that when the rain was hitting that exposed soil, It was such an impact that tiny particles of soil were dispersed and spattered, splattered up against your house. So we ideally want the very first thing that these uh, rain droplets hit to be plant material or mulch, some kind of organic matter that is going to dissipate that speed and velocity and it's going to uh, hit the ground at a trickle rather than a tiny explosion. 
So the two main ways that water moves once it hits the ground is that number one, it either percolates through the soil and the soil profile. Of course, if we were to dig a hole uh, or or take out sort of a cylinder of soil several feet uh, down into the earth, which soil scientists do this, you can see that there's different layers of soil. It's like a cake, uh, a layered cake. You've got a layer of chocolate cake and some icing and then some vanilla cake and some icing and then some strawberry cake and you've got yourself a Neapolitan cake. Well, it's sort of a Neapolitan soil profile because there's different layers uh, down below our feet. And so ideally, we want water to percolate just like uh, a coffee percolator, a percolator coffee pot. You know, the water comes up and then it drips through the coffee as steam, then it consolidates and drips out the bottom and now is drinkable coffee. So we want water to percolate down into the soil. That is ideal. And of course, below the soil, it joins bands with other streams of water and there's underground water we call them aquifers and of course that's where if you got a well a well you're living off a well you want to tap into that underground stream of water so that you can do the things you need to do uh, from day to day wash your clothes wash yourself wash your dishes we have a well at my place uh, at, at our far at our farm well it's, it's sort of a farm our garden our home and uh so that water is captured down below which is wonderful now other ways that water uh, moves is not the ideal way now we call this runoff runoff water runoff water does not hit the soil and work its way through the soil profile runoff hits the soil and rolls across the top sliding down slopes, moving soil here and there if it's exposed. Now, runoff is not an ideal situation because that, of course, is a way that erosion can begin and erosion can take over, reducing the amount of soil that is on higher elevations, pushing that soil down into lower elevations. That's where soil can fill our streams, our ponds, our lakes. If the water percolates and moves into a lake, underground that would be ideal but once water runs off the surface of the soil it usually takes organic matter it usually takes soil down with it and that's where erosion happens so when we get back from this break we're going to talk about the secret which i've sort of already given you but the secret to uh reducing runoff and encouraging percolation so we have limited or no erosion in our landscape hang on tight Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone. So get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well. Give it a go! 
Well, gang, welcome back to New Southern Garden. I'm so glad that you uh, are spending this hour on this weekend with us because we're like gardening family, and it's good for family to get together every now and then. Uh, today, we are talking about you working with water in the landscape. This is sort of one of those... Uh, not really inspiring shows where we talk about the new plants that are out and the flowers and the colors and all this. This this show is more technical, I suppose, but I think it's a very important topic because so many people, of course, um, you can find me throughout the week at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, and so many people come to the nursery and they talk about their troubles with their with their clay soil and erosion on slopes and banks and how uh, do I need plants there, do I need mulch there, what do I do to slow this water down to stop this water? And so, you know, being up here, at least in the Piedmont, where we have rolling hills, we do have some problems with water in addition to the fact that our soils are very clay-based which clay is just a word for the tiniest soil particle uh, that we know of. So all of our Georgia red clays, they're very small minerals there, whereas sandier soils have very large particles. They, sand is the largest particle of uh, the soil component, if you will. So with that in mind, of course, these tiny particles can easily quickly be lifted up by water and slid down slopes moving around the landscape going into lowlands sliding down those slopes into ponds into streams it's not a good situation but before the break i was going to tell you about what about the secret what is the secret to reducing and even preventing erosion remember we want water when it hits the soil to percolate we don't want water to run off the top. And so I've already alluded in the first part of the show today what that secret is. But it's a two-word secret. The secret to reducing and preventing erosion is organic matter. Organic matter. Now, organic matter is not sand, silt, or clay. Those are all minerals. Organic matter is either living Creatures like plants, and yes, insects are included. Insects are a big part of what makes a healthy soil. But it's also things that once were living but now are dead and decomposing. So compost, manure, all of these things are considered organic matter, and they are both living and dead organic matter. They are both very helpful in reducing and preventing erosion. Let's talk a little bit more about our wonderful Georgia red clay soils. Uh, ideally, we would have at least some inches of topsoil, true topsoil. Now, topsoil is going to be uh, sort of that organic matter layer, okay? In other words, we want this, the, the, the mother soil, which is red clay, to be down deep, and we would like to have on the top of that mother clay-based soil, a nice layer of organic matter soil. So black dirt, brown dirt, if you will. I hate to use the word dirt. I should say that when we talk about soil in the landscape, we should never call it dirt. It's soil. It's something different than just dirt. Now, dirt soil becomes dirt when you track it in the house and it's all over the floor and your mama says, 
you should have shaken those shoes off. You're getting dirt everywhere. Now go clean it up. <laughs> but in the landscape, we should call it soil. So that's what we want is a thick layer of organic matter mixed with the clay, of course, a dark, rich color. But in Georgia, in our clay-based Georgia soils in the Piedmont, we really only have maybe two to three, zero, I should say, zero to three inches of topsoil. Yes, zero to three inches. The reason we have maybe zero is because of bad farming practices during the cotton years, when most of North Georgia was in, well, not just cotton, but other types of crops too, beans and corn and whatnot. Farmers didn't really know about this erosion thing. They didn't realize that things, uh, they, were, things they were doing was not benefiting their farms. It was actually reducing their amount of topsoil and fertility. That goes along with the topsoil. So, Compare that to the Midwest. I know folks come uh, here to the South and the Midwest, and they are just shocked and surprised by the kind of soil they now have. Because in the Midwest, they have a completely different soil type. It's called mollic, mollic soil, which is just a fancy word that soil scientists gives it. It doesn't really mean much uh, for our discussion today. But these mollic soils, they may have topsoil that is, check this out, two, three, maybe even four feet deep. That's right. Here in the South, our topsoil may be zero inches to three inches, but out in the Midwest, now that's the breadbasket of America. That's where most of the corn and all these crops come from. They have these deep, dark, rich soils, rich topsoil that go down for feet into the earth. We won't get into why. Maybe one day we will, or if you'd like to ask that question, we'll answer it next week on our Q&A week. But there's a big difference in our Georgia soils, these Piedmont soils, and those Midwestern soils. So, here's what we're left with. As the gardener, you know the secret now to preventing and reducing erosion is organic matter. So it's our job, if we're going to work with water in the landscape, to make sure that percolation, that water can actually percolate through, can move through the soil, rather than turning into runoff, just sliding off the top of the soil. That's how we're going to work with water. We're going to improve our soils with organic matter. Of course, that comes in two forms. That means that we need to have a little mixture of all these uh, living plants, living trees, living shrubs, living ground covers. Those are wonderful on slopes because they move quickly and they can create this wonderful mat of, um, of foliage. But then, of course, we need to think about mulching. We need to think about composting. We need to think about manure, throwing these things out onto the surface of the soil so that it helps to slow water down. And really, it's not just one or the other. It's sort of a combination of all of these things. Now, on a slope, an easy way may be to try to establish a lawn, right? Try to establish lawn grasses or some kind of grass. But on a slope, that's not always easy. <laughs> that's not always easy to mow and to cut. So you may not want a lawn on a slope just because the maintenance concern. But having a, a ground cover that maybe only stays two or three inches, that doesn't have to be mowed, doesn't really have to be touched. An evergreen ground cover, something like Asiatic jasmine. Or a deciduous ground cover, that wonderful creeping raspberry, which is a wonderful plant uh, that gives great fall color. Pretty soon, the creeping raspberry we have at the nursery is going to start turning red and orange and yellow, and it's going to be wonderful. So there are plenty of ways that we can help 
whether we're using soil amendments, whether we are mulching regularly, whether we're planting living plants, these things are going to slow down the movement of water by impeding them from hitting the clay soil below. And it's also going to give them conduits and channels to move through. So definitely, that secret to erosion, preventing erosion, always be thinking, is that soil exposed? If you have exposed soil, you are surely going to have erosion problems, particularly on slopes. So we've got to get that soil covered, and we've got to make sure that we're slowing the movement of water and uh, helping it percolate. That key word, we want the precipitation that hits our gardens and our landscapes to percolate. Now remember, there are impervious surfaces around your house, particularly your driveway and your roof. That means water can't get through. Water can't get through the roof. It actually slides off the roof into your gutter and then into your drain system. So those impervious surfaces can generate a lot of water that then creates runoff. So always be thinking, am I rerouting that? Am I putting that maybe into, a, uh, into the road and then the road puts it into a drainage system? Or maybe you have your own drainage system underground. But today we're really talking about working with water that hits our plants, that hits our garden spaces. And hopefully, of course, those spaces are going to be well protected because we can plant, whether it's a lawn, uh, ground covers, uh, planting trees to make a small forest. All of these things will help to slow down the speed of the water. And also, organic matter uh, being worked into the soil will help percolate that water once it hits the ground. Well, gang, after this, we're going to talk about repairing eroded slopes and some things you might want to consider. Hang on tight. Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, gang, today on New Southern Garden, we are talking about working with water in the landscape. We were just talking about the secret, the secret to helping to prevent, to prevent and reducing erosion is organic matter. That's right. We need organic matter in our soils. We need organic matter on top of our soils, and we need organic matter feet and feet above our soils. And I'm talking about trees, shrubs, plants. They are actually taking the brunt of the force of the water and slowly allowing it to trickle to the soil. And then, of course, the mulch, the compost, the manure that's on the ground level is going to help that water work its way through into the soil profile and hopefully percolate. We want water to percolate, which means travel through the soil. Because if water is not percolating through the soil, then we have runoff. And runoff is a major problem because runoff, water that runs across the top of the surface of our soils, creates erosion. We get erosion questions all the time at Lanier Nursery and Gardens, and really for good reason. We've already talked about some. Of course, here in the Piedmont area, we've got hills, we've got slopes. Water moves quickly. It speeds up on a slope. 
And also, our Georgia soils just don't have a lot of topsoil. Most of our soils have zero to three inches of topsoil. And that is not really a lot. Zero inches, no topsoil, of course we're going to have some erosion problems. There's no organic matter in our soil. So, what happens though if you already have a slope that is starting to erode? How can you repair that? What are some things you could do yourself even? You don't necessarily, unless the extent of your erosion is really, really bad, if you're catching erosion early on, you can usually help ease. You can help ease that erosion uh, pretty readily. One of the first things you've got to look at is your slope. And you've got to see if there are what we call reels and ruts. If there are channels that have been etched into that slope by water, that is a sign of erosion. Now, of course, it could be very, very small ruts or reels. It could be very thin, uh, not very deep. But remember, with erosion, things only get worse. Things do not get better. They get worse. And so a small reel today could be a huge ditch tomorrow. And that is when some major work may have to be done. But if you catch it early, now if your slope has no organic matter, no mulch, no plant material, it's exposed soil, that is a very dangerous situation to be in. But regardless of the condition of your slope, we can take those reels and those ruts and we can bring soil back into them. Okay, if we'd like. Now, I like to say let's slightly press. We don't want to compact because compacted soils, of course, are going to be soils that uh, encourage runoff. If the water can't percolate through a compacted soil, it'll continue to run off. Now, what you can do after you've brought soil back up is we can put some kind of organic matter over the top of that slope, over the top of that soil. Now, of course, a thick, thick layer of mulch may work, but there are also some other materials you can use. There's a wonderful product. It's a coconut fiber. It's a coconut fiber blanket. And those, they're relatively inexpensive. Now, it takes some work, but you can spread this coconut fiber blanket across your slope. And of course, of course, you'd have to uh, pin it down with landscape staples so that it holds. But that thin sheet of this woven kind of coconut fiber is going to help slow down water dramatically. As a matter of fact, we've had to use some on projects and, and some areas at the nursery where we do want to put grass in that on that slope so we can throw our grass seed either on top of this fiber or underneath the fiber before we lay it down and that fiber will help hold that those seeds in place and those seeds those grass seeds will be able to germinate and start the process growing and holding the slope even more appropriately so that may be a solution for you as well now when it comes to putting down say more traditional mulching products uh, like wood chips, or if we've got pine straw, I will say that a very thick layer, very thick, usually we would mulch at a two-inch depth, but on a heavily eroded slope or a slope that tends to erode and we're trying to repair, we could 
increase that to maybe six inches. If you don't plan to put plants on the slope immediately, you can triple the recommended two inches just so that you get a very thick layer. Because if you're using wood chips, wood chips tend to be picked up by water because they float and they slide further down the hill. So by thickening up, thickening up that uh, wood chip mulch layer, you, we see some pretty good success. However, uh, if you go with pine straw, pine straw sort of creates this web, this sort of dense mat, and all of those uh, leaves, the pine, pine needles, if you will, that straw meshes together, and water can seep through, and usually it does not get picked up by water uh, very, very, very easily. So pine straw can be laid out thinner, maybe that two or three inch depth, if you will, and we don't have to maybe slide the mulch back up because the straw pretty much holds on a slope. But of course, not all slopes are the same. I should have prefaced by saying that. Some people have very steep slopes and some slopes are more gentle rolling. Uh, so you may have to do some experimentation for your slope, but regardless, you can use traditional mulching products as well. Now, if you've got an area on your slope where a lot of water is running off and it's coming making these deep channels, uh, you may want to consider either redirecting that water somewhere else. Uh, you can do that in a couple of ways. Uh, you can use some piping under the ground, creating drains. Now we're getting a bit more complex with this. Uh, but if a lot of water is running in the same spot, making this deep trench, if you will, on your slope, putting soil up there and covering with mulch, with all that a volume of water that's coming down, that may not be enough. You may want to work with water, as we're talking about today, and embrace the fact that water is going to run in that channel. So what we need to try to do is to create a trough that water can run over the top of the soil or create a drain that water can be redirected below the soil and move somewhere else downslope. One of the ways that we can move water above the soil is by creating, when I say trough, we usually call them dry riverbeds. And dry riverbeds can be incorporated into your landscape design. They can be a beautiful feature uh, with, with stone. Stone looks great beside plants. You can have different textures when you bring in the stone. It can be really attractive. Uh, but when we, we could create with the use of these stones or riprap, uh, that is a, a word they use for a certain size stone in the uh, quarries. Uh, so riprap or landscaping stones uh, can be placed into this trough and you sort of are embracing you're embracing the fact that we are going to have water running here we're not going to try to redirect it it's just too much work too much to deal with trying to fight water so let's work with it and allow it to run through this riprap or these stones the stone will hold the soil and water can be moved down the hill, down the slope, into another area of the landscape. Usually, when you build a uh, dry riverbed, you do want to line that riverbed with a plastic material. And the idea is that you are literally embracing the water. You're accepting that it will run through here, but that plastic material will prevent water from eroding underneath the stone. So it is a system. It's a drain above ground drain system that can be very beautiful and and very uh beneficial 
to the slope. Now, another thing you might do at the top of the slope, we've got to think about the slowing the water down at the highest elevation possible. We may want to use that riprap or stone high up on the slope to filter that water, to slow that water down. We may also want to use uh, temporarily until our plant material, if we're going to be planting on the slope, um, we could use bales of straw that are staked into the ground. You may see that a lot at construction sites. It's very accepted and it works very well because then water can be filtered through that straw bale, which is organic matter, help to slow it down. Um, but then, of course, there is the other option and using several of these options all at once is probably the best thing to do. But using plant material, living plant material, like ground covers and shrubs and ornamental grasses and trees, whatnot, you can use plant material to help with this process. But this is what I tell folks who come to the nursery with erosion problems and they think they just need to plant tomorrow. Uh, plants work by holding a slope. They, they work by preventing erosion in two ways. They create a dense mat of organic, living organic matter on top of the soil, which is their stems and their foliage, right? But they also create a dense mat of organic matter below the soil, which is their living roots. And by having a mat of something above the ground and mat of living roots below the ground, that really is where we want to get to. We want to have, uh, other than you know, dead organic matter, compost, mulch, other than that being laid on top of the soil, eventually we want the living material to take over and be in control because that living material doesn't have to be replaced or replenished or refreshed. It's going to keep refreshing itself by growing. But here's what I tell folks that come in that say we just need to put plants out tomorrow is it's going to take years to get to that point. We've got to be patient with plants. We've got to let them grow. Of course, we can fertilize them and encourage them to grow faster than they normally would without fertilizer, but it's not a quick fix because when you start plugging in plants on your slope, remember uh, that if the water's still moving quickly, those newly planted plants could easily be eroded out themselves by the water. And that's where uh, things can get a little tricky. So we've got to first figure out a way to secure, to secure the soil that is there. We want to make sure the integrity of the bank is held. And we've already talked about a few ways to do that. Of course, we can use that coconut fiber. We can use um, the mulches on top, whether it's pine straw or very thick layer of kind of traditional wood chips, if you will. And of course, we also want to maybe embrace the fact that water is running in these reels and these trenches and these troughs. We're not going to be able to fight it. Maybe we embrace it and build a dry riverbed. Or maybe we collect water at the top of the hill, creating a basin and using underground piping, piping and channel the water below ground, capturing it in a drain and moving it into the woods or edge of the property, down towards the street where it goes uh, into the uh, water system uh, on your street level. So regardless, these are some things we want to talk about first. Now, we are going to get into uh, a discussion on how do we install plants on a slope? How do we work when we're working when we're trying to prevent erosion on a slope, what are we going to do? What is a good 
method to take because I'll tell you this, I've had so many issues, uh, seen so many bad cases where people think that if we go in and we till the slope and we plant it like we would any other area in the landscape, uh, we're going to put the plants in, we're going to have success. It just doesn't work that way. We've got to treat a slope, a slope planting completely different than a level or slightly pitched soil grade. We want to make sure that we, when we're on a slope, are working appropriately. So when we get back from this break, we are going to talk about preventing erosion uh, on a new planting bed that happens to be on a slope. Hang on tight. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the New Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. (laughs) At Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's get growing together. Well, gang, of course, that's my daughter, Eden Rose, encouraging you this morning to give preventing and repairing erosion a go. (laughs) Of course, we've been talking all about working with water in the landscape. We're really trying to embrace water, just maybe redirecting it simply or slowing it down on our slopes. We've talked about several ways that we can repair a slope and make sure that that slope does not incur any further erosion. Remember, the key word is percolation. We want to make sure that water percolates through our soils rather than running off the top. That's where and when erosion becomes a problem. Now, for those uh, folks who are thinking about installing a new planting bed on a slope... I want to give you some tips on getting started the right way, uh, simple ways, but things that aren't going to cause you more erosion or beginning of erosion later on. Now, the very first thing when we think of creating a new garden bed, a new planting bed, is usually that area where we want the bed to be is just covered in weeds. And, well, if you're a farmer and you want to grow a field of corn, you're going to be dealing with weeds first. So we've got to make sure we remove those weeds so they don't become a problem for us as the gardener. But remember that Normally, on flat level, we would till and mix the soil together and try to turn the soil over so weeds are exposed, their roots are exposed, and they dry out and they die. That's why we till, to remove weeds. But on a slope, those weeds are actually doing something for you. Those weeds or grasses or lawn grass, whatever you have, that you got to remove before you put in your nice plants. They are using, of course, their foliage on top, creating a mat on the surface of the soil to slow water down. And then below, maybe even more importantly, their root systems are intermingling, intertwining below the soil, creating this thick mat of roots below the earth. And those are helping to hold the soil 
in place. So the very last thing we'd want to do on a slope is to destroy that structure below the soil. Tilling it would completely destroy and soften up the soil to the point that soft soil on a slope is a dangerous thing. Soft soil on a slope is going to slide right down after the next heavy rain. So ideally, we would either remove the tops of these weeds by hand or we would chemically remove them. Chemical removal, as long as you can kill the top, uh, well, we do want the whole plant to die eventually, but as long as we can leave those roots below the ground, they are creating this wonderful structure, wonderful structure uh, that is maintaining that slope's soil integrity, if you will. So now that we've killed the weeds on the top, we've, we've reduced that thick mat of organic matter on the top of the soil. We still have those roots, which are slowly dying because we've chemically sprayed them uh, or maybe mowed them to the point of death, but the roots below are still present. So now the next step would be to mulch. Whether you're going to plant that day or not, if you're definitely, if you're going to plant that slope later, <laughs> I would go ahead and mulch because mulch, if you can't get to the project uh, for a few days or maybe by the end of the day, uh, you can't plant. Well, you will have this exposed slope with no coverage on top. So mulching, whether it's the pine straw, uh, whether it's the wood chips, and I've already talked about the pros and cons of each on a slope in the last segment, so be sure to check out this program online at NewSouthernGarden.com if you've missed any portion of it. But mulch is the next thing. Mulching is going to, whether you can get to planting next week or if it turns out to be next season, you are protecting that slope by creating a thick mat of organic matter on top. Now, when it comes to planting on a slope, we do not, again, do not want to amend the soil by mixing the entire slope with a tiller or softening with any kind of tool the entire slope. Instead, when we plant on a slope, we want to dig individual planting holes for the new plants. So every plant, whether it's a small four-inch pot ground cover or whether it's a large three-gallon shrub or a bigger gallon of 15-gallon tree, whatever you're planting on the slope, be sure that you're planting a hole just for it because if we do soften the entire bank, like we've already mentioned, those plants will be washed out. That soft soil that is around their roots today will be gone after the next heavy rain. Their roots are exposed and they could dry out. Your plants could die. They could suffer. And it's just a bad situation for the slope. and It's a bad situation for your new plants. So again, when we're working on a slope, trying to prevent erosion, there's three steps. First of all, we can remove the weeds chemically or maybe by hand by mowing, mowing very low uh, over and over and over till the plants die. We don't want to destroy those plants' root systems. We want the root systems to be dead, of course, but we want that dead matter to stay below the earth, holding it very tightly. Then, of course, we've got a mulch to create that barrier across the top of the soil on that slope so water doesn't just wash off and erode off the top. And when we plant, when we get to planting that slope, we've got to be sure we're digging individual planting holes. Now, a few moments are left on today's show, but I still think I can get to uh, another situation. You may have a situation where you're, 
you have wet soil. Maybe your soil, uh, you don't have erosion. Maybe you're on flat land, low down on the creek side or something. Waterlogged soils are are a trouble too. We sometimes call these saturated soils. Consider where the water table is. If you're down in a low bottomland near a creek or stream, you may find that your water table is very high. It may be just below the surface of the soil. So you've got this waterlogged soil problem. The best way to know if any area in your landscape is waterlogged is to do a percolation test. And a percolation test is where you dig down in the soil, maybe 8 or 10 inches, dig a small hole 8 or 10 inches deep, fill it with water, and then time how long it takes that water to percolate. How long does it take the water to drain out of that 8 or 10 inch hole? If it takes longer than 24 hours, you do have waterlogged soil. So some way to improve poor draining soils would be, of course, dry riverbeds to move water. If you've got this standing water situation, you want to keep it moving. But then below ground, you may do um, French drains. You may do some piping, uh, collecting water, and moving it underground. But one of the easiest ways is to plant proud. Now, planting proud is where we plant above the soil line. So we can bring in soil, we can bring in nice organic matter soil that our plants can grow in, and we can actually raise these beds up so plants are happy. But remember, we don't want to create a perched water table. Now, a perched water table is where we have uh, fine soils over coarse soils. Of course, that would be something like clay and organic matter, uh, rather clay on top of organic matter or clay on top of gravel or clay and organic matter on top of sandy soil. So remember this, when it comes to building a, uh, a planting bed on waterlogged soils, coarse over fine, a very coarse soil, organic matter on top of fine soil, clay, is quite divine. But fine over coarse, the inversion of that, you lead to much remorse. So for sure, we want to make sure that we are not creating a perched water table and increasing our waterlogged soils. Remember, coarse over fine is quite divine. Fine over coarse leads to much remorse. Well, gang, I think that Eden Rose says, let's battle this thing called erosion and give it a go. For New Southern Garden and WRWH 93.9 FM, I'm Nathan Wilson, hoping that you stay well and grow well. We'll see you next week. Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show.